Welcome to the hundred cert. Good job. Okay. Welcome to the hundred seventy third episode of the Young Turfs podcast from the Viner Four Gate Studio. This is your host Mason Viner and your co-host Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, the Turfs game against Ohio State has unfortunately uh, been canceled due to COVID within the Maryland football program. The decision came from the university around two forty today. Uh, the conference confirmed. Uh, as of tonight, that it was a university decision, not a conference decision, to cancel this game. But you got to, you know, the student athlete health is the priority of the University of Maryland, and that's why they made this decision. We'll get into uh, that a little bit. Not much to talk about there. There isn't that many specifics around what players tested positive and who the Terps are going to be out within with 21 days uh, per the conference rules. Uh, we'll also talk some basketball. National Signing Day to, was today. And, of course, your Turfs and the Pros before. And Bruce Posner will join us to uh, talk a little Maryland-Penn State game. Before we get into that, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. To host your event outside and as safely as possible, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, give Allied a call at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com, a proud Maryland-owned business. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. All right, so we got a bit, or it's almost all basketball news this week. So we're calling it the basketball blitz. Let's get into it. First up, men's basketball is unranked and not receiving votes in the AP preseason top 25, and they seem to be around 50 in most of those, you know, complete rankings things you see on you know CBS Sports, ESPN, and everybody else. Um, some people have them higher, some people have them lower, but Terps seem to be projected as a mediocre Power Five team this year, or Power Six, excuse me, in basketball. Yeah, the Terps, um, I don't think they're getting the respect that they uh, kind of warrant at this point. Uh, as much as I'm kind of a never-turgeon guy, this team has been ranked consistently over the past couple of years. I think they deserve a little bit more respect. Basketball Media Day was this week. Uh, when Bruce joins us, we'll chat a little bit about that. Really, really good job by the Maryland Athletics crew. Shout out to Keith Sneddon. Uh, over at Maryland Basketball for putting that whole thing together and kind of playing operator and getting us uh, all the interviews that we needed that will be posted all the way through the weekend. We have one with uh, about, I would say, eight of the guys. All righty. And, yes, you can check those out in the Winter YouTube channel at some point in the near future. On the women's side, uh, transfer Chloe Bibby has been granted a waiver from the NCAA to compete the season for the Terps. Bibby played her first three seasons for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Yeah, coming from a big-time program in Mississippi State to another one in Maryland, she averaged 11, uh, almost 12 points a game, 11.9, four rebounds a game. Uh, she suffered an ACL tear this last season. She was also a member of the Mississippi State team uh, that played in that 2018 National Championship game, which is an all-time women's basketball game. Absolutely, and she is Australian, which gives the trip a nice little fla bit of flavor there. But a big uh, get for a Maryland women's team who many people – expect to compete for a title this season. Right. I believe they came out top 10 in the AP poll uh, on on the women's side. Maryland men's 
Basketball will host LaSalle on December 22nd. Uh, this is the sixth confirmed opponent for the upcoming season. Matchups against Old Dominion, Navy, Mount St. Mary's, George Mason, and Clemson have also been confirmed. Uh, Jordan, what are your kind of thoughts on this one? I like it. Another semi-local team. Yeah, LaSalle's a fine program. A second A-10 team they'll play this season alongside George Mason. So not a bad game. Um, this is just a testament, though, to how weird the upcoming basketball season is going to look. Um, Boston University, for example, has scheduled Holy Cross, I believe, four times in the non-conference schedule, another Boston school. And that's just how it kind of is. Teams around the country are struggling to get games together, struggling to set protocols out of conference. It's going to be a bit of a... If you thought football season was weird, you haven't seen nothing yet, so I'm going to say. Right. Quick correction there, Jordan. George Mason, a CAA team, not an A-10 team. I think they moved. Um, let me double check. I'll look up in the meantime, but hit our next point, Mason. Yeah, today is the early signing day for the 2021 class in both men's and women's basketball, along with a handful of other sports. We're only going to talk men's basketball and women's basketball on this one. Maybe we'll get into uh, some of the lacrosse stuff uh, on our podcast this weekend that we'll still be doing. For the men, Ike Cornish, James Graham, and Julian Reese have all signed. Uh, for the women, Ohio four-star Cheyenne Sellers is the lone commit. The Terps missed out on the number one player overall from St. John's FUD. Uh, she's heading to UConn. Yep, uh, not a big surprise there, but she was would have been huge to get for the program if they could reel her in. And I did double-check it, Mason. George Mason is now in A-10 school. Really? Well, that's great for George Mason and a friend of our program, Zach Bolno, who used to be at Maryland's over there, George Mason running their uh, SID department. So great. Uh, I guess i move up, would you say? Oh, I would certainly say so. Um, let's move on from that. Our only other non-themed uh, item this week is Rock Jarrett winning a Big Ten Offensive Freshman of the Week. Yet another reminder for a lot of people that Maryland football is playing this weekend. And we'll get into our feelings of that later. Terps and the pros, Mason. Eventful week. What did you see before we dig in specifics? Yeah, Jermaine Carter, big uh, role for him uh, this week. He stepped up, got his first start. Uh, other than that, I mean, Diggs is back. The Bills are kind of back. And, and J.C. Jackson just continues to uh, make plays in New England. Yep, that's a pretty good summary. Uh, so let's get into it. As you mentioned, Jermaine Carter earned his first start of the season with four total tackles, his season high, and saw the field for 30 snaps on defense, also season high. He's in his third season with the Panthers, pretty firmly entrenched in the backup role, so you just got to hope if you're him that you can keep seeing the field and get some tape so maybe you can push for a starting job somewhere else. Yeah, he's getting big props uh, during the game broadcast. Uh for filling a lot of gaps, doing a lot of what he did at Maryland. He's a little slow, and, and I think that still shows, but huge props to Jermaine Carter Jr. and getting that first start and working his way back. You know, this guy's put in a ton of hard work over his time in the league and has been, I don't want to say moved out of what was expected to be a starting role, but way to just keep battling. You know, he, he thought he was going to be a starter this year, didn't work out, but here he is um, coming up on the halfway point, or we're at the halfway point for the NFL and Jermaine Carter Jr. has earned his way back into the starting rotation in Carolina. Um, moving on, Byron Cowart also started for the third streak week for him. Uh, two total tackles, tied his season high for defensive snap percentage. Uh, Sean Davis saw his second straight game with defensive snap. Granted, it was one defensive snap. And he continues to appear on special teams. 
And Mason, yep, Stefan Diggs, huge game. Yeah, back in the 100-yard game category, 118 on nine catches this week. Uh, he now leads the league in receiving yards with 813 and receptions with 63. And that's counting some Jordan, a handful of bad weeks um, over the last, I would say, four or five uh, game weeks for Buffalo. But Allen, shoulder better. You can see them playing better. Huge win for them over Seattle. Yeah, it's a shocking one for me. Uh, a couple of Steelers did not play. That would be Trade Edmonds and Derwin Gray. J.C. Jackson um, had another interception. That's his fourth straight game with a pick. He leads the league now with five. And just unbelievable. Like, again, we said this last week, but it's bad repeating. He wasn't that good at Maryland. Yeah, but fantastic ball skills they always showed. Uh, really, really strong player. At a, he, he puts himself in positions to make plays. Now, he also... Uh, I would say gives up a fair amount of big plays, or used to. I haven't really seen much in New England this year. But he has a nose for the football. He makes plays. He runs the route like a wide receiver. And he just keeps doing it week after week. You know, you keep throwing at him, keep testing what I think uh, now he can pretty much cement as the best or one of the best corners uh, in the league this season. Maybe teams need to look a different direction and stop throwing the ball his way. Maybe so. Um, Quentin Jefferson on Buffalo, also in the AFC East, um, did not have his stats posted to Pro Football Focus, unfortunately. So, or ESPN. So we're gonna have to skip over him. But I know he did play. I saw him on the uh, on Red Zone, but no stats. Sorry. Hi, hey Jordan. Would you rather have yeah. Quentin Jefferson have no stats or do what the NCAA and uh, ESPN and Big Ten Network do and call Nick Cross uh, Tunga Vailoa on Maryland's defense in the official stat book. Yeah, that was that's pretty bad. Um, I don't know. That, that's pretty acceptable, unacceptable. Um, but I did see that. Still in the AFC East, Ty Johnson played two offensive snaps and 12 special team snaps, did not record any stats for the Jets in their um, close loss to the Pats. And Matt got on the field more for the Steelers, though. Three carries, seven yards, Two catches, 15 yards, eight snaps, a career high. I mean, it's not game-breaking numbers, but getting the field more for um, Anthony McFarland. Yeah, he had a series uh, during this game against Dallas, and he's just not uh, the best power running back ever. You know, he's a really good one-cut and breakout back. He hasn't broken one yet this year. I, I have a feeling that's coming. He runs extremely hard. Uh, we'll see it eventually from Anthony McFarland. I hope so. Uh, DJ Moore, we've been saying for weeks, Mason, what's going to happen when Christian McCaffrey comes back. Apparently, it's not good for DJ Moore. Yeah, McCaffrey will be out again this weekend. Two catches for 18 yards. Uh, close to his worst performance of the season. I'm not sure how many targets he got. Jordan, I'm not sure if you know that. Uh, it's not in front of me at the moment, no. But, yeah, not the best game for DJ Moore, but a good game for uh, Carolina. They got close to Kansas City. Yannick Ngakwe and Baltimore. Um, Jordan, I'm not sure if we missed the stats on this one, but the Ravens got a 24-10 win over the Colts uh, this week, and their defense played extremely well uh, in that game. Marcus Peters, the interception, that was questionable, but I've looked at this one over and over again on Lights, Camera, Ravens. Uh, I said I didn't think it was an interception, but Peters had four steps to the football. Uh, that defense also brought in a touchdown and really dominated Phillip Rivers' offense. Yeah, fortunately the stats didn't post for that one either. Not sure what's going on. With that, um, in Green Bay, Darnell Savage uh, still continuing to struggle a bit this season after a great rookie year. 
77% of the defensive snaps he saw this last game. Only made one tackle, though, in the Packers win over the Niners. Um, hopefully he can turn it around, but he's not in much danger of losing his spot at the moment, at least. Yeah, Savage has been injured at times this year. It doesn't look like he's ever gotten fully back from it. Um, but yeah, he's struggling a bit this year. One tackle in a game that was uh, an absolute wipeout for San Francisco. And finally, Josh Woods, still in Chicago as a special teamer, saw the most snaps of the season for him with 25 all on specials. So overall, Mason, a pretty decent week for our Terps. Yeah, a great week for guys like Diggs and, and Jermaine Carter. It's great to see him back in the rotation. I'm waiting for Yannick Ngakwe to get it going in Baltimore and Anthony McFarland, who s seems like he's getting more and more touches uh, as the season goes on. Maybe I'm really hoping that Ty Johnson gets his run at running back for the Jets, but it doesn't look like he's going to be able to break past P. Ryan in that rotation. And Jordan, I guess with that, let's get to... Uh, Bruce talks to Maryland basketball media day and the Terps win over Penn State from Wednesday. Now we welcome in the sports maven himself, the founder of Terp Talk, Bruce Posner. Bruce, uh, how are you doing tonight and how are you taking the news that we're not going to see a game that I know we were both looking forward to on Saturday? Well, you know, it's funny, Mason, when you uh, you look at that game early in the year or on the schedule and you say, well, it's going to be a very tough one. And then after you absolutely, utterly destroy Penn State in every phase of football that there is, you start thinking to yourself, like we talked on the air today, that, you know, maybe maybe something could happen. Maybe Maryland, you know, uh, Leah gets off to a great start. Maryland wins the toss, takes it down the field, gets on top. And look what happened two years ago with, I think, a vastly uh, inferior team to this team. When they took them, to, what was it, 51-50 in the double overtime? Uh, why not? You know, it's it certainly watching them against Penn State. They didn't look like any super world beaters, but they, you know, we were still a three touchdown dog. But uh, I just, I just had some hope for this game. I, you know, and I think it would have been competitive, which would have been the most important thing that we would have been in the game. But I think, like you said. We could have attacked their secondary, and with our QB and our great receivers, you take your chances. Yeah, and I think that's what really makes a lot of Terp fans disappointed is we haven't gotten this chance where Maryland's coming in on their kind of uptick going into an Ohio State game. I'm not sure. I don't have the exact number since Maryland's joined the Big Ten, but I can't really remember a time that Maryland was as optimistic as they are right now going against the Buckeyes. What did it mean to you to see Maryland roll Penn State? Obviously, you've been a, around a lot uh, longer than us young Terps and have seen a lot more Maryland-Penn State games. What were your kind of feelings and thoughts uh, after Maryland, as you said, utterly just destroyed Penn State? Well, I think back to last year when somebody I knew flew in from uh, wherever you were, from Jacksonville, for the game, and you found us in the parking lot. And uh, everybody was excited for that game. And Maryland went out late at eight, big time, 59 zip, I think the score was. And it was never, Maryland never did anything. And that's why it was hard to imagine that Maryland could have turned it around that much. But uh, apparently this year's team and last year's team, minus uh, a few of the guys on it, are different. Now, for me, if I, and I think Loxley felt the same way, if he could have gotten to 100 to nothing, he would have done it. And rightly so, 
because, you know, Penn State has just been killing us here every year, and especially in recruiting. And that game was bigger than, you know, than Maryland just winning the game. That put a real tent in the recruiting edge that uh, Penn State might have over Maryland. I mean, you watch that, and, you know, which quarterback do you want to come and play for? The one who could get out of his own way or one of the most exciting quarterbacks in college football? And young quarterbacks see that, and they say, look what Loxley's done for him. Uh, you know, and then Tua just goes on fire on Sunday at Miami, and uh, you, you start to see a different side of Loxley that we haven't been seeing. And certainly having uh, Scotty Montgomery running the show has been great. And it was it was just special. You, know, you see Rock Jarrett just took that team apart. I mean, it was great. Every second of it was great. Every sack was great. The end of the game kind of like dragged on. It, you know, Maryland, I think after that flea flicker failed, Fox uh, probably thought to himself, you know, I better make sure I win this game and just put the ball, in, you know, put the ball to sleep and just really to try and do too much. But, yeah, it was it was very important to me after all the heartbreaks over the years. I I do remember when Randy went in there and won, but they were they were really down that year. Okay, they were really down. Yeah, who was were. the coach of that team? Franklin. Franklin was the coach of that team. That was his first year. Yeah, yeah, I think it was his yeah. first year, and I was there. And and in a way, and I think you're kind of the same. It was disappointing for us to not be there. Very disappointing. Okay. Very, very disappointing. Yeah, I might have trudged up there after that Minnesota game had it been, but I know you and you and Wayne definitely would have been there. And I just uh you know, and it would have been a lot sweeter to beat them in front of their fans. I'll be honest with you. They weren't beating us yesterday on Saturday. It was funny too. I know you guys watched the game. It was almost like Matt Millen. You know, very biased toward Penn State, but that's expected. But he almost expected Maryland to win. You know, he kept saying, I knew they were going to have trouble with uh, Lee. I knew they were going to have trouble with their passing game. And and Clifford just he just doesn't have it. I'm telling you, they're going to be hard-pressed to win two or three games, Penn State. And uh, nothing would make me happier, okay, other than maybe John Harbaugh going one and six or whatever it is. But uh, – Long way to go. We got to worry about us, and now we don't play that game. And that brings up the other subject I, I, I wanted to come on your show and talk about, and that is how stupid was the Big Ten not to put a couple potential bye weeks in there for postponement games? For the life of me, I just don't understand it. You know, I really don't. I guess there's a certain minimum amount of games they got to get to, but. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. Has any football player been really negatively uh, affected by COVID yet? Do we know of any? Well, I know of at least one Division three player that died actually from it. Um, okay. But no one, I guess, in the upper tiers like that. I think the reason there's no bye weeks built in, though, is if you the way it's set up now, you can play nine conference games at the max, which is close to like being a real season. And I guess they just want to try to get at least somebody with as many games in as possible. Well, look, it's horrible that anybody dies from it, uh, but it's it's their choice. If somebody didn't want to play, they don't have to. And those guys opted out, 
And, uh, you know, look, things happen in football. There's, there's injuries, there's uh, paralysis issues. There's so many issues about playing football that anytime you step on the field, you take some sort of risk. But I, uh, I uh, just, you know, you got to be cautious now. And I guess they have their rules set up. The 21 day thing, I guess, is proper, but we don't know who has the COVID. But, uh, you know, it could be problematic if it's certain players on our team. And we just don't know who it is, and we probably won't know, or maybe it'll leak out. But we, at this moment, we don't know who it is. And I guess we'll find out. Hopefully, they're, everybody's fine and we're back next week to play. But, uh, you know, sad when anybody gets sick is certainly fearful, but wow, when you take a look at the amount of college players who've had it and gotten over it, I mean, it seems to me like the whole LSU team has had it. Am I wrong? I mean, it looks like it's 50 or 60 guys over the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, there's been teams, Florida, LSU, uh, I guess you can add Maryland, Wisconsin to that list. Illinois has had it, and they've kind of been able to continue on but and it has affected them. They have some key players with it. Uh, but kind of moving past it, uh, last night we saw Maryland basketball media day. What were your thoughts of the team and and who did you like that that may have not been on the team last year and may not had a, had a big role? Well, I, I number one, I I think I interviewed got to interview four people. Daryl Morsell, I've, I've talked to him so many times. He's the same guy. I mean, he's a leader by example, and we know everything we're going to get from him, which is everything he has, because he's just a great kid. Uh, I was impressed by uh, Arnaud, just just his knowledge of, uh, number one, his mastery of the English language and his uh, ability to talk about how he's learned from Turgeon, how he's learned from the guys and how excited he was. And I was pretty sure... Uh, that he had told me he had never heard of Maryland basketball when it, when he got to started to get the looks, and it's going to be fun to watch him play. Uh, you know, he's a big guy, and and then the thing I loved is when I talked to Dante Scott, and all he was talking about was how tough it is inside and it's wars and battles. I said, well, rebounding wise, did you? And this will be up on Turf Talk eventually. I said, did you think that you know? You, you know, the, with the addition of uh, Galen Smith and Jarius, uh, the kid from BC. Hamilton. Was like, Hamilton. Yeah. I said, how tough is he? He says, let me tell you, it's wars down there. We got a lot of muscle down there. And they won't have to be playing more so with the four anymore. I, I, and of course, that's what Turgeon said. And I believe that. So even though we lost a lot of talent, uh, I think we might have picked up some better depth the one thing that concerns me is I think they'll be able to make up for uh, Jalen Smith's points, but I don't know how they're going to make up for uh, Anthony Cowens. That, that concerns me. And defense is going to have to be a priority because I could see the Terps averaging in the low 60s or maybe mid-60s where they you know, they always push over 70, it seems like. But I don't know if that'll be there, Mason. I, I don't. You know, Wiggins is going to really have to turn on and so I yellow. And who's to say they're not? We don't know. But, uh, you know, you could always pencil in 18, 20 points for, for Cowan every game, good or bad. And that's a big plus. Got to put points on the board. You know, you have to. 
So that's my one concern right now. But Tuck yeah, seemed I, fairly calm. And Go ahead. I'll, I'll kind of toss this one to Jordan. It's got to come from Wiggins, doesn't it? Well, you would hope that Wiggins steps up. He really is the X factor on this team. You know, we've always been, I guess, kind of high on him. A lot of people have that he's going to be a star. He's got that potential, and we all can see it, but he really struggled at times last season, especially. So he would be, if you could get more production out of him, you certainly could have this team being a lot better than we think it might be. The other one, though, the one I think is really going to end up stepping up is Eric Ayala. Yeah, and another guy yeah, that we have I, to mention I, that needs to step up for them this year is Hakeem Hart, a guy who played a little bit last year. But Bruce, go ahead. He seemed to have a good, yeah. He seemed to have a good jump, a good jumper, but he was kind of erratic. And uh, I, you know, who knows? Who knows how Marcus Stockley's going to play? We don't know yet. Who knows how? You know, will Wiggins rise to the occasion? I hope so. Uh, certainly, I feel if I like to put numbers on things, things, and I think Aaron Wiggins has to average around 15, 18 points a game for Maryland to do anything. We have to have some of those easy points that you could just rely on. And Wiggins should be the guy who can deliver. And I think Ayala will deliver a little bit better, and so will Morcell. And I think Morcell will finally not have to be forced to play a position. He probably isn't crazy about playing, and that's the four. Uh, he'll be able to play to roam around where he wants to. But uh, I'm looking for a lot from Dante Scott, right? Uh a lot, and Sean Mariel. So we have all these guys coming back. And Turgeon said it was one of his older teams. When you have all these guys coming back and with another year's experience, you know, Cowan can't play there forever. When Triple stopped playing, we said, where are the points going to come from? And sure enough, there's Cowan. You know, he just stepped up. So guys do step up. And they're going to have to for Maryland to do well. No doubt about it. Well, I guess my other questions for someone who didn't actually participate in media day this year is, is there anyone who really stood out as far as being a good interview, you know, their favorite person kind of person, guy? It's funny you say that. I thought uh, Renault, I thought they all were pretty good, to be honest with you. They were all uh, forward and everything, and I think that being on virtual probably helped a lot because it's a, it's a lot more pressure. Basically, you've been there when you sit there and <laughs> – People were firing questions at the guys. I think after about 15 minutes, they were just worn out from it. And I think the fact that, you know, they were facing probably less guys than they normally do, but more right. one-on-one, like Mason and myself and Wayne had a three-on-one with Ardo Ravaz, uh, and uh, we got to talk to Shaw. I mean, it was a lot more one-on-one basis, and uh, I thought it was a great day. I mean, uh, I thought it was run fantastically, and, you know, what they normally do is they run, they either do it before practice or after practice. The guys just don't want to hear from it. But here it kind of was like the day, you know, this was after practice, but they were all in good spirits. And uh, he even let the freshman talk, which is very unusual for him. And uh, I was impressed with Marcus Dockery. But, you know, I want to see him play. You know, it's that simple. What you guys think of the non-conference schedule? Yeah, we were actually just talking about that a little bit earlier uh, in the show. I really like it. A lot of local teams, you know, from between Philly uh, down to Virginia, I think this is the way it should be. And college athletics, we can get into this, you know, a different time, I think is way out of hand with, you know, Maryland having games against D2 teams from California originally scheduled this year. 
I would love to see more, you know, Temple, LaSalle, Old Dominion, George Mason, George Washington, American, you know, teams that actually have, you know, I know people that go to most of those schools. Drexel you can throw in there. You know, Philly five teams uh, down through Virginia. I mean, there's so many schools here. I don't understand why they got to pay all this money uh, to have teams come in when you can just play the guys that are here. Yeah, I, I really don't know what they – I don't know who they're paying in this schedule, but certainly they're not paying Navy. But you got Navy, the Mount, they're probably paying them. Uh, but the other games are a little bit more tricky than normal. You've got George Mason, you've got LaSalle, you've got Old Dominion. These are all teams that have beaten good teams over the past few years. In fact, that one year, I think all those teams beat Carolina. But uh, I, these are teams that are a notch above that mid-major. They're very consistent in the mid-majors and can make the tournament and everything. And uh, I don't know if Maryland had to go back to their schools doing one-and-ones, but I don't know that they're paying – uh, George Mason or LaSalle. Well, I, I don't really know don't if they're know. paying anybody this year. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that they can. You know, I mean, I don't know, know if the budget affords it. You know, and of course, they got one road game to Little John. But let's face it, Mason, it's all the Big Ten this year. We're gonna have twenty Big Ten games. I think six games, six non-conference, maybe seven, from what I understand. It could be one more. And uh, but it, it's in the Big Ten. Maryland's got to go ten and ten. And uh, I just feel that with our history in the Big Ten, that uh, we'll make that goal and and we'll be in the tournament. And uh, also, you got so many teams who aren't going to have the kind of resumes they normally could have because they're just not going to get the games. You know, where you have uh, mid majors, you know, having a couple shots to go in and win a couple games on the road against really good teams is going to be much more few and far between. All well, right, Bruce, we got time right, for one more. Jordan, go ahead. All right. Uh, this is what I definitely wanted to ask before we wrapped it up. Uh, so basketball early sign day was today, Bruce. We got two kids from Baltimore and Julian Reese and Ike Cornish, who's going to school in, uh, I think, North Carolina, but is from Baltimore. Two more Baltimore kids. You have Jalen Smith, Darrell Morsell. The pipeline's really growing. It's got to be exciting for you. Yeah, it's great for me because uh, we know all these names in Baltimore. Julian Reese from uh, St. Francis, and along with his sister, is coming too this year. He's supposed to be, I think she was uh, either freshman of the year or on the all ten, And then uh, uh, that's Angel Reese. And then Julian comes with a tremendous re- resume, big guy. And, hey, things are things are looking up when we get these, the cream out of Baltimore, which... Uh, you know, until Morsell and uh, and uh, Jalen came, it wasn't happening. But, you know, it's fun to talk to Marcus Stockley. And he was telling me about some of the teams who looked at him. He's from uh, Brewster Academy. Does that sound right? Um, he's from the Northern Virginia area. I know that. Right. I think he's so from... he's from one of the, in the, in the D.C. area, I think, or maybe I'm wrong. But. Uh, he said his dream was to play for Maryland. And even though he got a lot of letters, a lot of calls, uh, the second that he got offered by Turgeon, he just shouted out, yes. And you love to hear that. You know, a, a, a good player like that, like he's supposed to be. And and uh, to come to Maryland, certainly the same, similar to Anthony Cowan. I don't think Cowan ever considered it anywhere else, unless I'm mistaken. And we know that 
Borsell might have looked elsewhere and Jalen, but these guys were Baltimore bounds. It was never much doubt. And, you know, when you're looking, that's why you go back to that Penn State thing. When a, a kid, you know, can choose between two equal schools, he'll always choose the one that's close to his home, as long as they're equal. Now, Maryland's not equal to Penn State, but the fact they looked better the other night. But, uh, you know, that's going to be proven over time. So, all in all, uh, it was uh, a good meeting, a good uh, media day. It reminded me of the other ones, but it's different because you're not there. But the best thing is when I finished the last interview, I didn't have to drive an hour and 20 minutes to get home. <laughs> that is definitely true. Uh, on Dockery, he went to Bishop O'Connell for his first three years of high school, uh, which is the same school that Melo Trimble went to, and then Brewster Academy. You got that one right, Bruce, uh, for his final year where he won a national prep championship. That school is up in New Hampshire. Uh, thanks for coming on and, and giving us your insight on, on the Penn State game and then on uh, what we experienced last night. And then we got to say it, huge props to Maryland Basketball Media for putting that together and really operating it well, Keith then and Sean Ellenby. It was not easy, but they did it, and they did it first class. It was just... You know, everybody got their chance. Everybody. And a lot of times in media day, you know, the guys come with the big cameras and, and you're kind of like pushed away. But everybody got their shot. It was a great day. It was. It was. And thanks for coming on, Bruce. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. And that was Bruce Posner. You can catch him on Turp Talk on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock and the Sports Maven at 9 a.m. And in the nest, uh, the Ravens post game. Monday mornings on WNST, Turp Talk, and the Sports Maven on 1300 CBS Sports Radio in Baltimore and on the Radio.com app. Jordan, let's talk about it. We didn't really get into it that much with Bruce. Uh, the Terps cancellation with Ohio State, what does it mean to you? What are your thoughts? I'm going to keep this a little bit short since we already have a guest spot in today. Um, to be honest, I'm not that bothered by it. As long as we don't lose anybody important, and we, you know, may have heard some things that has us a little bit concerned, we're going to keep that under wraps for now. Um, as, but if you're going to take a team, if you're going to take a team out of the schedule, you want it to be Ohio State. Let's be real about some things. I mean, now you're looking at a much easier walk. Um, I'm bringing the schedule back. We play Michigan State next week. I think Indiana the week after. Michigan after that. So, I mean, it looks a lot more winnable now. You could realistically pull four wins, five wins out of this season. Like, I'm not mad shape about it. I'm, of course, I don't I don't want us to be canceled. But if you're going to pick it and be canceled by, this is the one. Yeah, and I just think it's really unfortunate. I mean, I, I feel for these guys, and, and it's tough. You know, COVID's a tough thing. And, you know, you just do your contact tracing, do your diligence into making sure everyone's healthy. I mean, as we all know, this program is, has had a run-in with with a really unfortunate situation a few years ago with Jordan McNary. And you really just got to focus in on your student-athletes' health now, making sure, following up with guys, making sure they're isolating, not spreading this around campus, not being super spreaders, and just hone in on that from an athletics and safety perspective. These kids were well-versed in what they need to do if they were to come in contact with COVID, if they were to test positive for the coronavirus uh, and, and you just got to put that to use. Put the preparation. Use your assets from the conference. Uh, bring people in. You know, do what you said you were going to do. Execute your plan. Make sure everyone's safe. And when it's time to play football again, let's play some football. But until then, I'm um, just wishing all the guys that did test positive and all the people 
and support staff involved with this Maryland football family uh, the best and, and hoping that they can get better, make sure uh, that everyone's safe, and then let's play some football again. Now, I am really disappointed we're not going to see them this week. Um, I think that a lot of people were ready to tune in and, and watch some Maryland football. But, you know, it's a sign of the times. Uh, a team in this area has finally been affected by COVID. I know the Ravens had a small run-in with it. But this is the first cancellation we're seeing in this area. And that's really my take on it, is I'm just wishing our, our football team the best here and, and hoping that our student-athletes uh, and our coaches are safe. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's very true. I mentioned that to Mason earlier that for us, none of the we follow have been COVID-affected yet. So this is a bit of a first for us. Um, I think we'll leave it there for now. Let's do a quick preview of this upcoming Big Ten schedule since we're certainly got the time to watch other stuff and then get out of here. Um, nothing too big this week, Mason. I guess if you're going to pick one to highlight, I guess it's Michigan and Wisconsin. Yeah, I think the game that everyone was really looking at was Maryland-Ohio State. Realistically speaking, yeah, it was. That was the biggest draw this week from a football perspective. But, I mean, uh, to be realistic, Northwestern-Purdue is a battle for first place in that side of the conference. They're both undefeated. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get to see Rondell Moore, number four for Purdue. Really exciting guy. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Stefan Diggs. He's a little bit smaller, a little bit quicker, but a really electric player. He has not played yet this season. Hopefully we get to see him. Uh, and then that Northwestern team, they've been really good this year. They've been getting closer and closer to losing a game. We'll see what happens. Uh, Jordan, what else is going on? Well, as I mentioned, Michigan-Wisconsin. Wisconsin returns from um, COVID land to play a Michigan team in free fall. That's going to be one that has some eyes on it. Um, not too much else, honestly, of note. Penn State and Nebraska in a battle of the uh, ONs. Yeah, and a battle of big programs that this conference really wants to win. Nebraska, a team that I'm really hoping gets a win this week. Uh, I want Penn State to keep losing. Uh, big loss for the Penn State program earlier today. Journey Brown, uh, the running back that was out for the season for the Nittany Lions, really unfortunate story, um, announced that he will have to retire from football due to condition that they found uh, with, I believe it had something to do with his heart. Really sad for him and, and you know, it's it's tough to watch guys who have played football their whole life gotten to that level where they're going to be a starter at a huge name program that have struggled and fought to get that role uh, kind of go down with a career-ending injury. Really tough for Journey Brown and that Penn State uh, team. And the uh, last game on highlight this week, Indiana at Michigan State. Two programs opposite trajectories. Indiana now holding a number 10 ranking, which is beautiful to see, honestly. I'm very happy for them versus the Michigan State team that is uh, – struggling we'll put it as uh, what are you expecting to see at Spartan Stadium Mason right I think Michigan State could win this game I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you Jordan Rocky Lombardi can't turn the ball over game one and I keep saying this whether it's Bruce's show uh this podcast you turn the ball over effectively nine times week one you lose and you lose big to Rutgers week two you don't turn the ball over you beat a Michigan team on the road those kind of Michigan was coming in trending up Week three, you throw three first-half interceptions. I also believe they lost a fumble. And they gave up a punt return for a touchdown. They're down 35 nothing at halftime. They get blown out. Now, what will we see week four? Will we see this team week two or the team week one and three? Because if they play that same style of week two football, conservative, uh, high percentage passes where only your guy can get it, or really they're low percentage, but only your guy can get it, and your quarterback doesn't cost you the game, they may be able to win. 
they have the talent to compete with anybody in this country, and I told the same thing to Bruce earlier. They just need to avoid the turnovers. They remind me a lot of Maryland from the past couple of years. They just don't have a quarterback, and it shows, and it affects them really, really badly. Well, I think that's it. Of course, we're. I'm hoping Indiana wins because I want to see a top 10 Indiana versus Ohio State matchup. I think that'll be a ton of fun to watch. But we'll have to see. Indiana's got to stay focused. This kind of feels like a trap game for them. But I – look, I'm just saying it. If Indiana – Well, Jordan, Michigan State-Indiana is a rivalry. So if you're calling your rivalry a trap game, uh, there is some issue there. Well, we can get into the term of rivalry, but – I believe they play for yeah. a trophy. But, yeah, there's trophies all over the place in the Big Ten. I think Indiana-Ohio State is a trophy. All right, well, we, we'll talk about that a different time, but I think that's a wrap for this one. Yes, I think it is. Not much going on this week, unfortunately, now, so it's hard to say we'll be back eventually. Um, but probably next week, you think, Mason? Uh, no, Jordan, I think we're going to try and do a recap show and, and kind of update the situation this weekend in, a, in a, what will be a quick podcast uh, on Sunday. But until then, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors for for sponsoring us, Viner Four Gates in Rockville, for all of your business IT needs, Viner Four Gates is your place to go. You can reach them on the phone at 301 251 2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com. And Allied Party Rentals, for all of your outdoor party rental needs, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you need. You can visit them on the web at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And as always, thanks for listening.